0: On last week's episode, we compiled the best of the best from 2019. So go and check that out. It's our year in review episode, and you are going to hear from so many amazing people that were on the show last year. So go and check that out under podcasts at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 96. slash Let's Talk Supply Chain. Hello, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. And I guess I should be welcoming you to 2020. I can't wait to get started and see what this year has in store. So because it's the beginning of the year, it's also the beginning of the month. And you know what that means? It means it's time for my Woman in Supply Chain series. This individual is super talented. She is a go-getter. She has helped me out in numerous instances over the last six months and she is someone that I call a friend and so I want to make sure that she gets some recognition and deserves the platform to share her story. Before I introduce my guest today, let's dive into the question of the week. So the question of the week that we asked before the holidays was what is the number one thing you do to prepare your supply chains for the holidays? Well, over on the Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn page, Audrey Ross says, meditate and caffeinate. Figure out when each country is closed for business well in advance and then assume a few days before and after those closures will be wonky. Thomas says, for me, considering the high volume of demand during the Christmas holiday seasons, so we are producing building buffer stocks to meet customers' demand and on-time deliveries. Whitney Wilkie says, over-communicate on all timelines so that all parties' expectations are consistent with one another. Tom says, train my teams to be fully operational and autonomous. Over on my LinkedIn page, Laura Pullen says, calendar and communication. When I was in operations, we worked a quarter ahead looking at supplier, carrier, and warehouse schedules for the upcoming period or holiday season. Schneeha says, the plan should be started before Thanksgiving to be prepared for the year end too. What I have learned and value is being informed, especially from a logistics standpoint. Tim Dyer says, expect the unexpected and plan based on your demand, but respect the fact that your supply chain is human and deserves and needs the respect of time with family and loved ones. Very well said. There's also more comments. So again, go to listeners corner at letstalksupplychain.com to follow all of the conversations, read all of the answers, because of course, I'm just giving you a snippet here on the show. And I will also provide links to all of these supply chain professionals and experts so that you can connect with them on LinkedIn. Getting back on track, today is an extra special episode of Woman in Supply Chain as I introduce you to Holly. She is the VP of Marketing and Client Solutions over at Apex Logistics. Holly is also a single mom, a visionary with a big heart, and a whiz at supply chain messaging. And if you didn't know, she was also the host of one of our past Women in Supply Chain episodes, the Maritime Edition. So welcome to the show,
1: Holly. Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: Yeah, I can't wait for the community to get to know you like I have over the last year. So I'm really glad that you decided to do this episode with me. So why don't you tell us about how you got started in supply chain? Did you fall into it like everyone else and it developed into a passion? Or was it something you knew about ahead of time and decided to get into?
1: Um, No, I definitely was... uh, follow the same pattern as a vast majority of people. I didn't even know what logistics meant yeah. um, before I came into the industry. I, had didn't, I didn't even know um, the definition at all. Um, I was um, previously in the marketing and media industry uh, in Michigan. And I thought that I would be in that in that industry for the entirety of my career. That's what I had gone to school for. Um, I had you know a strong passion in the arts um, and I was working for uh, media companies at the time and um, then of course we hit the 2009 economic crisis and you know, Michigan had a pretty um, pretty devastating blow on the uh, economic scale um, and I certainly felt that much like everybody else here and uh, I took a chance and I'm Packed up and moved to Texas, where my sister worked in the oil and gas industry, and um, I moved in, ironically, next door to uh, an air export manager. And of course, I didn't had no idea what he did at the time and what that meant. And I just knew that he was this really cool guy that lived next door. It was really nice, and um, I was waiting tables while I was there and trying to, you know, look for. Um, a job in the media industry. Um, And he kind of heard through the grapevine or through discussion that I was looking for work and what my background was. And he said, you know, I think you'd be interested in, you know, in working for for us. And of course I'm looking at him, (laughs) like, what are you talking about? I don't know anything about logistics. (laughs) And um, he said, just, just, you know, come on and give it a shot. And uh, I did, I was, invited to work um my first uh job in ocean export um and i thought really at the beginning that i would only be in it for a really short while and that if i'd you know move back to the media industry because that's where i of course i thought i'd be but it's like i drank the juice and yeah, it's the juice i, I think that the only old. i know like, like people they don't really know what that juice is until you you actually been in it Um, And I found that I was fascinated by the ever-evolving learning curve that is supply chain. Um, And I found myself immersed in, you know, wanting to learn more. And there's always more to learn. That's the crazy thing. And so for somebody like me that's always hungry and always wanting to, you know, improve um, upon my own skills, it was kind of the perfect industry to be in for just that. So... Here I am, a decade later, still hungry to learn more and learning. I
0: love that because we've got so many, you know, people that are now taking, you know, supply chain management courses in university and college, but I still don't think that they really understand where that (laughs) learning is going to take them. And it's just so fascinating that you talk about, you know, you drank the juice and, you know, it took a hold of you and your career took off from that point. And I think you've been able to utilize um, some of the skills that you have in the media and the marketing space and transition them over into, you know, the supply chain and logistics industry. And it was an interesting time back then, right?
1: Very um, so. About
0: 10 years ago. Yeah, there was a lot of transition happening. You know, traditionally, marketing was not important to companies. That's right. Um, you know. We're still making that transition today, but with everything that happened, people started thinking differently, and uh, so it was a great time to really start your career in logistics and supply chain. So I know that you've been in sales uh, for the last couple of years mm-hmm. um, in logistics and supply chain. So I want to ask you, you know, what has it been like as a woman in sales in such a male-dominated industry?
1: Well, um, I certainly can't say it's been easy. Uh, and I think that's kind of goes without being said um, but really I think the fortunate thing for women in general nowadays in any industry is that the current social environment is really help helping to make upward mobility more attainable for us um, and that goes across all industries mm-hmm. really and um, you know despite the long-standing culture in the logistics world that it's you know the quote boys club um, That mindset I'm finding is is quickly dissolving as society is no longer willing to tolerate that. Um, That doesn't necessarily mean that everything is all of a sudden going to be equal, right? And I certainly still personally feel um, the differences at the time, at different times. Um, I can't necessarily pinpoint exactly when those are, but there's times where you feel it. Um, But I remember... Also, that 10 years ago, um, I wouldn't be where I am now had um, society not really helped to boost women in careers. So uh, I'm thankful right. for where, where I am. You know, there, there might be slight differences, um, but I think that time will do its job on those and um, eventually the playing field may level out and... We just, you know, we need to be patient and glad that we are even moving in, in that direction at all. Um, so I am I personally, um, I'm very pleased with where I've come. Um, I've been blessed in my career to have been guided by some of the most influential people um, at the companies that I've worked worked in. And, and through those people, I learned how to um, earn my respect, so, you know, in, instead of just being respected because I'm a woman and, I'm, and you're supposed to respect me now because society tells you to, I really did work hard um, to earn that respect. And I learned to push myself past my own limits and find new levels of achievement to work towards. Um, so combining the two, the, you know, the social aspect of it and then the personal aspect of hard work, dedication, and, um, ever, you know, needing to evolve myself, uh, I found, and I'm finding that, um, I'm not as bothered by the differences anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, so I, I started sales, I think right in that 2009 when you started your career in logistics and supply chain, I was in sales for about 12 years. And, you know, I look back on the time that I was in sales and there was a lot more, I think, that I, as a woman, had to endure or get over or um, even, even try to challenge, right? I had to challenge things a little bit more mm-hmm. because, um, you know, I think a lot of people embraced it You know, and I was really lucky. I had some really, really great clients and really good potential customers that really, um, you know, embraced me in sales. Um, You always have the bad apples, but I think that at the end of the day, the good outweighs the bad. And uh, I think that we've really come a long way. I do too. I really, really do. Um, and I think it's you know because of all the women in the industry, it's because of all the men in the industry who have supported those women in those roles and really helped them to overcome some of the challenges that maybe their male counterparts, their sorry, <laughs> male counterparts didn't really have to um, go through. That's right. right, a lot of business for men is happen- happens on the golf course. Did that happen for me on the golf course? No, can I play golf?: Yes, not very well. Was <laughs> I willing to play golf? Absolutely.: That makes one of us. But, <laughs> I have never played a game of
1: golf in my life.
0: <laughs> but I can tell you that majority of my sales was done, you know extremely differently than my male counterparts. And I think that made us, or made me anyway, more creative. Right? Because you have to find different ways. Um, you need to, you know, f- put put yourself in different situations to really um, you know, start those conversations, have those conversations, even close some of those sales as well. so, um that's just my two cents about being a woman in sales in a male dominated industry. It was very, very interesting time, I can tell you, absolutely. That much. and
1: you have to think about also. So you also have to think about the fact that um, a lot of the customers now, right, on the, uh, on the client side are also um, decision makers, uh, female decision makers. So yes, it's a male-dominant industry, but the landscape is evolving on both sides. And women um, decision makers, are more open, at least in my experience, uh, to working with um, other women. and I think that that's fantastic,
0: yeah, i would I would agree with that. I mean, when I was in sales, um, it was majority men that were the decision makers. There was maybe only a handful of women. Um I think that I would have you know preferred to see obviously more women in those decision making roles. So I might I think because you know you've been in sales maybe at a later time than I was there's those differentiators and that it just shows how far we've come mm-hmm. you know what I mean from a from a decision maker, standpoint yeah. and I love to see that so that's a that's a really great point so you spoke about your love of marketing branding strategy you know and as the industry has changed and become more open to putting investment and focus into these areas how have you combined both
1: your passions into your career? that's a great question um, well when I first entered the field um, you know external marketing really wasn't common. Um, it really wasn't heard of. It was more branding was an internally focused job uh, where the intent was to drive brand loyalty to existing customers through performance, operations, reporting outputs, um, and you know retention, um, and then through through traditional sales. Um, while some of that still exists today. Um, Demand has really evolved towards higher visibility, increased service offerings. Um, And because of that, the competitive landscape has really allowed more players into the market um, that can meet these needs and even exceed them. Um, That said, it's become far more evident that the need for external marketing and brand awareness is critical in the decision-making process for customers. And I was fortunate enough to come into this field... With some of that background already existing, um, for me, it was translating what I knew um, and had learned and um, adapted and adopted in my previous career to logistics and supply chain. And, um, you know, I'll go back to talking about the person that I, or the people that I was blessed to work under, um, very influential. I think one of the things that was, um, most pivotal for me in my career was the person that challenged me the most to combine, um, my right brain with my left brain. And by that, I mean, the artistic side with the scientific side. So most of the time you'll find people that are really strong on one side they're really strong in the arts and then you'll find somebody who's really strong in the sciences um, it's difficult and rare to find somebody that that's strong in both um, and can use both towards their um towards their current job um, at the time i really right. didn't didn't know why that would be valuable um, and it was extraordinarily challenging uh, to you know change my train of thought Um, on a dime but as time evolved I got better and better at it and now I can you know I'm able to look at a scenario and think from far more perspectives of that scenario than I would if I were just thinking of it scientifically or thinking of it from an artistic side and I think that that's where um my personal strength is and um Nowadays, uh, you kind of need to have um, more than just, you know, a, a single or even just one or two perspectives to be able to be successful because um, changing demands really requires more creativity. Um, and so I'm I'm blessed that I that I bring to the table an existing level of creative creativity, So.
0: Yeah, and you have the background in the logistics and the operations um, as well as that creative side. So I can just imagine how powerful that could be for not only yourself and your critical thinking capabilities, but also for your career um, and maybe the companies that you work for. So we are going to take it into a little bit of a different direction. Um, I know you very well, but uh, the audience doesn't. And um, I know you're a single mom. So, and I know that in logistics and supply chain, you know, we travel a lot, especially these days when it's all relationship building, relationship driven. You got to be face to face with people, and I also know that you work remotely. So, in your career, you've traveled a lot. How have you handled
1: that as a single mom? Well, it has certainly not been easy. Um, Ironically, there is a there are quite a few people um, in that I work with that don't even realize that I have a child. (laughs) Um, Not because I keep, you know, I keep my child hidden, but because I've, I have worked very hard to ensure that I am doing performing the best at my job and performing the best on my personal life um, and able to keep them um, protected. So the most important aspect of my personal life design um, was most, certainly building a strong network um, and a strong network of support. Um, So when I was in, when I was in Georgia, before I moved back here to Michigan, uh, that network consisted mostly of close friends um, who would babysit while I was away. Um, But since I've moved back to Michigan, my family has been really the tremendous, um, you know, heavyweight in providing that support to ensure that my child is receiving everything that he needs Um, in all circumstances, whether, whether I'm um, away for a day or whether I'm away for, you know, three days or four days. Um, The second most important aspect um, is planning. And I mean, serious planning as mothers. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We already have a zillion things to worry and plan for our children as career women. We already have a zillion things to worry and plan for our, for our jobs as a working traveling mother and career woman you magnify that requirement by tenfold. And, right. um, you know, for as most mothers would would agree, you know, my time with my child is the most valuable time in my life. And so um, in order for me to ensure that I maximize that time, I plan my travels in such a way as to be able to do like like round trips in a single day. Um, or, I, or minute or I minimize the time away by maximizing the time on site with a very, very well organized itinerary. Um, I harness video chat time with my son as, al- as often as possible. Um, you know, generally, you know, before bed or sometimes when my, when my family has him, um, and we'll just connect, you know, periodically. Um. But these are the ways uh that I've been able to accomplish and exceed both the expectations for my job while also meeting the needs of my child. And um, you know, further to that And for yourself. Yes and for yourself. Oh definitely. As well, right? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So it's um it's not been easy, but it takes um a lot of finesse. Um but I am you know living, breathing proof that proof that it can be done.
0: So then, you know. We hear a lot of times, obviously, with career women that there's that infamous mom guilt. Is it real? And how do you,
1: how do you keep it in check? Oh, it's very real. Um, but, you know, honestly, the reality is that we live in a society now where many households have two parents who work, right? Um, or even where the mother is a sole or primary breadwinner and dad might stay at home with the kids. Um, or a combination. Um, In my case, I'm both mom and dad. I'm the sole breadwinner and a demanding industry that requires my full attention. Um, So there's a lot of time that I, quote unquote, need to make up for um, with my son. Um, And I do that by making the time that I do have with him extra special. Um, I take him to museums, um, I play games, I just or even just read to him and spend truly quality one-on- one time with him when i when I'm with him um, and not and not traveling. And although I do feel a significant amount of guilt when I'm away on travels, mm-hmm. so do you um, have
0: that mom guilt? I'm sure you probably oh, do. oh completely. Yeah, yeah.
1: so, and uh, you know, even though i even though I do feel yeah. that guilt when I'm away on travels, especially, um, I try to remind myself that the extra focused attention that he receives from me when I'm present is sadly more than a lot of children receive from parents who are around every day. Yeah. So, and that's you know important to me to remind myself of that. Um, because right. it's unfortunate for, you know, children who are in the other, um, other scenario where they have their family around and their parents around and, uh, they're not receiving that one-on-one attention. So in the end, you know, when my son, while my son does have to sacrifice some time, um, you know, with me on occasion, I, I really truly believe that, you know, we're he and I are mo- more closely bonded to each other through the extra special moments that we get to spend when we are together. So while there is guilt there and it is ex- it is extraordinary i think about it every time i have to go um every time i have to spend you know an extra hour on the computer mm-hmm. um you know working um i i just make sure that i keep my priorities straight enough to remember that when i'm done with that i need to spend focused time with my child
0: yeah and i think there's you know also an underlying message there and it's about expectations of yourself I think that you know, we not only place huge expectations on ourselves, but we also have external factors that place expectations on ourselves, not only society, maybe family, different things like that. And I think at the end of the day, we really need to, as a self-care moment to take care of yourself, is really to ask yourself, am I doing my best? Right? Am I doing my best? Am I doing what I think is right for me? And for my family, and if the answer to both of those is yes, then you know that's really all that matters. Everybody else, all that fluff doesn't matter. As long as you know that you're doing your best and you're doing what you need to do, then um, you know I think it's just a gentle reminder to ourselves to ask us ask ourselves those questions, keep ourselves in check, and nothing else really matters. So I love that. And thank you so much for being so authentic about your story, because I feel like there are going to be so many women in the community that are really going to resonate with your story. And I also think some men as well, right? Because we've got single dads out there and we're going to get to that in a minute. Um, And so I just think that, you know, telling your story, sharing your struggles, sharing the great moments, you know, the things that you do to make sure that you are doing your best and keeping yourself in check For what's good for you and your family. I think that, um, you know, I just want to say thank you because that takes a lot of courage. And um, it's nice to hear the authentic stories that, you know, come out of this series. So I know you talked about planning, you know, you talked about a couple of different things um, about what to do while you're traveling as a single mom but what advice do you have for all working parents in supply chain whether they're single dads single moms maybe like you said the mom is the breadwinner and the dad is at home or vice versa you know what do you what what more advice do you have for them
1: oh i would say the best advice that i can give is to remember your priorities and take it easy on yourself yeah. <laughs> so you know, seriously, it's 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 not going to be easy. the The job that that you're doing, um, both from your career and as a parent, um, and as a single parent, single working parent, is extremely difficult. Um, your children are your number one priority, of course, but that does not mean mean that you need to sacrifice your career and. By um, by focusing on your career, that also doesn't mean that you're putting your children second. So you don't have to look at it from a the perspective of if I'm working on my career, that means my children are suffering, um, and vice versa. If I'm if I'm focusing on my children or my family uh, while I'm doing the right thing, then uh, my job is going to suffer. It it really doesn't doesn't mean that you. It's as I said, mentioned before. It takes a little extra planning and it takes a little extra support network and support teams and um, maybe a little extra stress and time, but it can, it can happen. And um, both your career and your home life can be truly successful in this scenario. So while there's no perfect way to do it, um, keep your focus um, on, keep your focus on your priorities and, Um, remember to take some R&R for yourself and success in both is certainly possible.
0: Excellent, excellent advice. So I know I mentioned a little bit earlier that you work remotely and this is a huge topic between employers and employees, right? We've got new talent coming into the industry that wants flexible work schedules. We've got employers that have been in the industry for a long time They've got that traditional mindset that they want people in the offices. So I want to, you know, I want to ask you, what are the benefits and challenges to working remotely? And what advice would you give to employers that are looking to have more remote employees? Um,
1: Wow, that's a a really good question. Um, And well, as convenient as it may seem to be able to work remote or from home, uh, in my experience... Um, and working remote for the last, you know, few years, uh, I actually have found it quite difficult um, as a very motivated, um, hardworking individual. And I'll get to that, to the why's in just a minute here. Um, but as most people who work from home already know, it, it takes an incredible amount of self-discipline and motivation to work. Um, and mm-hmm. that must come from within. In If you don't have that, it's probably not the place for you uh, and not the position for you to be working remote. Um, For me, I've never had an issue with self-motivation. So that part came easy for me. But my personal struggle has been learning Uh, when to step away and be at home. Right. You're at home. But when are you at home? So, right. So otherwise, uh, I would find myself working 15-20 hours a day into the evenings and even in the middle of the night. um, You know, before I became a parent, that wasn't too bad, because, you know, I, I quote, unquote, didn't have much else to do. Um, But when I had a child in the picture and priorities shifted, I really had to make a change in order to keep a healthy balance. Um, my method for this was, uh, and is to keep really only one area of my home dedicated to work, uh, my quote unquote office. Mm -hmm. I go into the office and I'm on work. I leave the office and I'm off work. Um, this has been a tremendous help in giving me the space from work needed to focus on my family without the anxiety that is as many people who work from home understand, um, that comes along with, Oh my goodness, I might I might be missing something important if I don't check my email right now every you know 24 hours a day. Um, yeah, uh-huh. it's you you really you really have to train yourself to to make a separation and to find that a method to do so within your own home. So yes, yeah. rather, uh,
0: go ahead. No, I was just going to say and just like, you know, making the routine your own. So if it's, you know, getting dressed in the morning, is your thing that will really motivate you to, quote unquote, go into the office or get started on work, then that might be your thing. Having a dedicated office space might be your thing as well, or, you know, it might not work for some, it might work for others. It's really just, I, you know, I have found that it's really just about figuring it out, you know, what works for you and what makes you the most motivated to get the
1: work done. Agreed. So, so, yeah, I mean, while there are benefits to working from home, you know, there's this what people talk about, there's, there is flexibility to accomplish other home tasks during what would normally be standard office, office hours. Um, I would have to say the challenges can oftentimes outweigh the benefits unless you, unless you organize your life in such a way as to make sure that you're, that you have a healthy balance, um. And like you said, it's that can be done for for different people. That's going to require different things. For me, it requires having my having a separate office with a door that I can close the door and say I'm done for the day. You know? Yeah, I
0: know but that darn <laughs> laptop that you can take everywhere with you. Trust me, I know. on your lap <laughs> while you're sitting on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> that is a bit of a trap, so stay away from that, people. <laughs> All right. So, last question. I just want to. I want to find out. You know what you think the future looks like. So, from where you stand right now, what does the future of supply chain look like? Um,
1: well, I don't want to over speculate, but I can tell you that technology is for sure going to be the game changer. It is a game changer already. Uh, we're operating in an industry that's already. I mean, years behind in technology from other industries. Um, but that's quickly changing. And there are companies out there now mm-hmm. who are disrupting the traditional landscape by bringing, bringing attention to technology and introducing new advancements that suppliers and customers may not have even been aware of before, but because they're now being exposed to it um, and these companies are able are able to enable them to take advantage of it, um, with minimal disruption to their own processes and systems, um, it's really creating a a new competitive landscape. Um, so, you know, that said, it's not just technology itself that's going to change that game. It's the way it's used. Um, data scientists are leveraging now new ways of forecasting the future of supply and demand in ways that weren't. You know, even five years ago uh, weren't being done. You know, his historically, the data science has been, you know, utilizing the um, historical data to measure trends um, and measure future supply. But now there's actually new methods um, that and it's, Far, you know, pretty technical, so I don't need to bore anybody with those details. Uh, but there's new methods now that are out there that are are harnessing completely different levels of like artificial intelligence um, and things that we in this logistics industry and supply chain are have barely touched um, the surface of. Um, but really, in the end, supply chain experts and and service providers, we're all going to have to learn not just how to keep up with these forecasts, uh, but also how to stay ahead of that curve in order for us to remain competitive. So that's my two cents on that.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would definitely agree. It's, it's, It's an exciting time to be in supply chain. So with a marketing degree in hand, Holly has shown us all how to take one industry and turn it into success in another. Plus, she has shown us how to think outside the box, think outside of supply chain, and how to take care of yourself while also take caring, care of your career and your family. If you would like more information about Holly or this episode, please visit letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 94. Thank you so much, Holly, for joining me on the show today. I wish you nothing but the best this holiday season, also in your career. And I just appreciate you for, you know, showing up today, being authentic and being your true self. So thank you so much for that. It's been an
1: honor and a true pleasure myself. Thank you, Sarah.
0: If you liked this episode, I now have a dedicated page to the Woman in Supply Chain series. So go and check out all of the podcast episodes and the blogs under woman in Supply Chain at Let'sTalkSupplyChain.com. Next week, Rebecca from E2Open is joining me to talk about how they are unleashing business potential in your supply chains. You are not going to want to miss that one. So stay tuned as that one will be coming up next week. If you'd like to support the show, there's a few ways to do that. Follow us. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to us on youtube the sc supply chain tv so that you don't miss out on any of the amazing video stuff that we're coming out with or that we've produced in 2019 subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts as well as subscribe to the newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com Next, ships, that's SHIPZ.com. dot com, we have most likely launched by the time that this episode has aired and so you want to be one of the first on the platform if you are a mid-market shipper, if you are a freight forwarder and you are looking to streamline your processes and work better together, you want to go to ships.com and sign up next if you've got a supply chain professional or a procurement professional or a logistics specialist in your life go and check out some of the funny, um, amazing, inspirational merch that we have over at shop under letstalksupplychain.com. We also have a supply chain dictionary, which is 107 pages full of acronyms and definitions you need to make the most out of your supply chain career. Next, rate and review the show over on iTunes, and I will feature your review on an upcoming episode. Thank you so much for all your love and support. And remember, everybody,
1: ship happens.